welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jerry Springer. Thank you so much. Whoa. Thank you. Thank you. More, more. Well, thanks for being with us. Good night, everyone. Yeah. Yes. You know, I, I, I want to say... What, where is well, she? I want to say, where the hell is Megan Hills, but that's, I don't cuss. So I'll say, <laughs> it'd be more like what they do with Matt Lauer. Where in the world is Megan Hills? Uh, well, well, first of all, let's answer the question. She's on a cruise somewhere... What, Saint Song Cruise? Song? Oh, that's right. It's every third week she every, goes on I'm a cruise. I'm telling you, she's somewhere in the... Caribbean, Jerry says yeah. Caribbean, but it's C- Caribbean. But uh, <laughs> the, the, Jerry, look, look around. The staff that we hire is all a bunch of young people, a bunch of millennials. Yes. Well, almost young. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we got Jimmy Pruce is yeah, mature. We, yeah, a mature young. I, well, he's not person. a milf. I, I don't know. I don't know what the term would be. But Jimmy. But anyway, it's kind of <laughs> like we're a couple of old substitute teachers. Because I heard him talking the other day, and Megan says, you know, I get 24 weeks of vacation on the Springer podcast. They totally take advantage of us. Oh, it's not even close. No. Yeah. Horrible. Anyway, Megan, we need you, Megan. Yeah, come back. Come back. I asked her, do do you not like us? Oh, I love you guys. It's just that, you know, I... I, I well, got she my vacation loves going days. to the bank. We, we, no. we, I paid for this cruise. A lot. She makes probably triple what I make. Well, that's just based on merit. <laughs> the, the, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. Hey, did you ever notice I don't get defensive when you no, make this crap? Well, you know, fair. some things, well, <laughs> yeah, okay. Point made. Mm. You, know, you know who Melania Trump is? First lady? Does Donald? <laughs> yeah, I'll go, hey. <laughs> oh, that's, see, the quips are, quips are right rolling. Because no, but, she but, called our podcast uh, answering machine. We have an old answering machine called like the timestamp was like three o'clock in the morning. I think Wednesday night. And I think it's in response to, I'm going to ask she called David the Proust show to again? play it. She calls, she calls I, regularly. Every time she calls, we put it on our website. Well, yeah. And the gist of it is, I think that there was some publicity last week. I read it on Huffington post. It was yeah. other places where some guy tweeted a clever quip that the only wall that Donald Trump will successfully build is the one he's building between him and his wife, Melania. Oh. It's a funny quip because there's a lot of, of uh, suspicions that there's a chill in their marriage. There's a picture of him coming off Air Force One, and she's like 30 feet behind him on the big, long stairway. Oh, he's not. Yeah, with Mickey, with it's him. only 25. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, he tweeted that, yeah, and instantly Melania Trump, and it was her account, liked it, clicked like on that. She agreed with it that he's never around. And then she quickly un, you know, pulled it down, and now they're denying that it was her, it was a hack or whatever. But I don't know. But then we got this uh, phone uh, message. Please, David. Hello, Jerry. How are you, dear? This is Melania. I read on Huffington Post the other day that I liked a tweet from my Donald um, that said he was building a wall between our marriage. I am here to tell you this is not true. Our marriage is perfect, Jerry. It is warm as Queen Elizabeth's bedroom. 
Donald and I are as cozy as an igloo in Fairbanks, Alaska. We're as happy as Hillary's face on election night. So, you see, everything is just wonderful. However, Jerry, if you happen to know a man, preferably in his 30s, say, with seven, eight homes, maybe 12, 20 vintage cars and corporate jet, maybe it's text me. Don't even bring up Joe Scarborough anymore. Mika just talked about him. Anyway, ciao, Jerry. Talk to you soon. Mwah, mwah. Melania. Wow. So she says, no, it's not true, but some of those, uh, I guess those are similes, we call them, yeah. were saying, you know, warm is Queen Elizabeth's bedroom, stuff like that. Oh. I, I don't oh, know. S- uh, oh, yeah. and the igloo stuff. Yeah, because the igloos are not warm. <laughs> I wouldn't think Alaska. they're warm. I haven't been no. to Alaska, but I, I heard they're pretty times. cold. It seems to me they were. Yeah, they always seem bundled up. Well, I hope things work out. Too. Yeah, I, I, I have some great news, and it's huge news yeah. about you. It, it actually, the two of us, a, a, th- a success or a, a thing we're uh, facing is coming our way. Old uh, age. The news is, well, that's inevitable, but the news is that one year from now, roughly, you and I are running in the Cincinnati Marathon, 26 miles. What drug are you on? <laughs> <laughs> The Do you know there's an epidemic? Marathon. Yeah. What are we you... are going to run in it. Well, well, let me ask you, and this story was told on this podcast a while ago. Is it not true, 1970-something, you were mayor of the city of Cincinnati, and there was a half marathon at that time? Yeah. I'm not, not, it was nine and a half miles. It was the Cincinnati's first mini heart marathon. You got it. So that's to like a money half for the, marathon. Yeah, to raise money for the Heart Association. You show up. I remember it. You show up. You've got, you're the mayor, so you've got the mayor's, you got a suit on. You got like wingtip shoes, probably, and a suit and a tie. Yep. And the start, hey, mayor, how you doing? And yeah, what we need to do. I had to give to a, a talk. You're giving a talk. Because hand, it's on Fountain Square, right? You got it. They were all lined up there. They hand you a starter's gun, which is a gun basically with a blank in it. You fire the gun. The race starts. You kind of toss the gun back to the guy, the uh, official, you see them all running and something inside of Jerry Springer, which includes a lot of grit, you go, hell yes, and you start running. That wasn't grit. That was, well, I won't tell you what it was, but at my age, it has a different name. (laughs) Yeah. But no, here's the thing. It wasn't like, oh, gee, this will be fun. I'll do it. If Fountain Square, for those listening who aren't from Cincinnati, it's the big town square. So we had 3,000 runners lined up there, and then I stood in front of them to give a short talk. This is the first Cincinnati Mini Heart Marathon for a great cause, raising money. And then they handed me the gun, and I would shoot the gun. The lesson is never be standing in front of 3,000 people if you're starting them on a race because they come right at you. So it wasn't like I tossed the gun. They re- so I turned around to not get trampled. And now I realize you can't, if they're 3,000, you can't easily get to the side. So the first block was just survival. And then I realized <laughs> I'm running with a gun. Oh, you had, still had the gun? Well, who do I hand it oh, to? I thought you pissed no, it I'm off. I'm standing out there literally on the square in front of the people. They came out. I still have the vision. They're coming <laughs> at me. I turn around not to get trampled. I'm running. We're now about a block away. We're probably down on 4th Street. Yep. And 
and I, I still have the gun and the, you know, and I'm looking for a police officer, someone I can hand the gun to. I was afraid to go up to a police officer because he sees the gun. He could yeah. start shooting. I don't shoot know. Shoot the mayor of Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I handed the gun off. And that's when all of a sudden I said, well, this first block wasn't so bad. Why don't no I? training. No training And understand, whatsoever. I'm 33 years old then, so it's not like I'm an old guy and I'm 33. And I figure, well, yeah. how hard is it to run? But I was wearing laced shoes and a suit. And I'd never run a block. The only thing I ever running I ever did was for office. I never, ran, you know, <laughs> I never ran a block in my life and wound up. And then I'll let you go with your story. But then I wound up running the nine and a half miles. And because you could never stop because everybody was cheering you. Mayor Springer, yeah. go. And then go. you got this. And, and then, of course, you're so far out. You might as well keep going because, you know, you got to go past yeah. this long. A- I knew I wasn't doing well because the police along the way started asking me, is there anybody else? (laughs) (laughs) So so I figured, oh my gosh, everyone must be in front of me. And I'd look around and I really was the very last person. I came in last for those who finished the race. There were some that didn't do it. The guy who won was the Olympian, Bill Rogers. Oh, that's right. And he came in at 45 minutes. He ran the nine and a half miles in 45 minutes and my time came in at one hour and 46 minutes. Yeah. He beat me by an hour and a, mi- yeah. a, a, and a minute. My feet were bleeding, not just sore, bleeding. And I was down for about three weeks of just, I mean, everything hurt. My hair hurt. It was horrible. It's anyway. kind of like, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm going to use this term, and if it's not fair, push back. <laughs> but it's kind of like you're a poser, you know? I mean, you're, it, you, you didn't train. You didn't, you weren't really. Well, then you're embarrassed not to. St- yeah. You know, there's the beginning, you make a decision, a young decision, you think, oh, this, and then you suddenly realize this really is stupid. But I'm the mayor of the city, and they got cameras as you're coming in that last mile. Right? They were all waiting for you. Oh, because they've heard the oh, mayor's what's the running. Story? <laughs> that was the, the story. story. And now, and you got people cheering you on. And honestly, it, it, it hurt enough to cry, but you can't cry. Yeah, there's no crying in, <laughs> and long distance running. But it hurts so much because every step you take, it I'll hurts. Give, I'll give you a choice. Yeah. We are either going to run 26 miles because uh, we're a, not doing any half marathons. I'll tell we're you going this. All in. I would. If there's a better chance I would run for governor than uh, run hey, that race. now you're talking. Wait a which second. Which is no chance. Of which like state, <laughs> by of the which, way. Yeah. Hey, uh, I'll give you a choice because we're going to do one of these. And I say we. I'll do it with you. You're either going to run 26 miles in the Flying Pig next May or we are going, and, and Bonnie and Mickey, our spouses, can go with us, or, or we're going next july to pamplona spain and you and i are going to run with the bulls much much shorter distance way short it's like a football field oh, yeah. through the streets of pamplona narrow streets yeah, well, i know we exactly take a, we, what it is uh, we go in there with like a white uh spanish kind of peasant shirt on we're going to get red it's going to wind up being red it doesn't matter what oh, it is when uh, you start it's a red bandana no you, you, the, you're going to get gore. No, no we're not and then they they are they set off a gun goes off and then those bowls are released and then it's like bust ass down okay. to the bull ring you know me 
I and know you. You also know God Love You. You know Mickey. I do. I love What Mickey. are the chances that you'll oh, get <laughs> Mickey Running with me the to run point. with the Bulls? That's a good point. Wait, by yeah. the way, knowing you, I know because when we were in Sturgis, South Dakota, and we went to a Full Throttle Saloon, and they had a zip line running across this huge I open get talked into bar. Things. Well, the way it went was I said to the guys that were with us from a film crew, because they did a yeah. reality show. The place burned down, sadly. The show's over. But the play, but they, they had a reality show. When you showed up with your posse, I was one of those people. They were for two years running. There's- they were on you, man, it, like, and they interviewed you, and they showed that it was in both of their uh, episodes that you were there. And I said to the handlers, Springer wants to ride the zip line. And Which, they said, of course, was not true. I didn't even I tell him. They said, are you kidding me? I said, yeah, it's, it's a twofer, isn't it? It was a side-by-side. So they had two people could run at the same time on the two zip lines, and I wanted to ride the zip line. So I said, yeah, Springer, they weren't going to let me ride it, no charge without you so again i was kind of hanging on coattails and i said oh yeah springer's all he wants to ride that bad that's the one thing he wants to do before he leaves he got on a walkie-talkie he says springer's gonna ride the zip line and he said let's go and we're running across this area they're pushing people out of the way and jerry says where are we going i says we're gonna ride the zip line and jerry says what the hell's a zip line oh you're gonna love it And we climbed up a wooden stairway that many, for, many feet, many was, feet. It was two or three I'd buildings say, high. Yes. I mean, it was easily over 100 to a feet, platform. which would be 10 stories. Oh, easily. And I was at the in front of you because I said to the people who were rigging oh, people God, up because they put scary. a harness on you. And I made sure I was ahead of you. And I said, he didn't want to do this. So rig him up fast and just push him off. And they were, oh, hell yeah. They didn't get, they weren't responsible people to say, well, wait they a second. They pushed me off. didn't want to do it. We and can't I make him do this. screaming. I said, no, no, you got to rig him up fast and, and get you, him launched. And they said, we're on it. You, you made it. The video, I think, is on YouTube. You, I think you can get the video. Oh, okay. Because I am holding on in the fetal position. Exactly. <laughs> And unlike my composure in running the nine and a half miles, I did cry here. (laughs) I was, because that thing is, and then you got to, to get up on the other side, you got to kind of have momentum. You can't just wallow in tears. You've got to. The way it works is, and, and they rigged me up and then you launched and they, all the attention was on Jerry Springer on the landing platform, which is way off in the distance. All these people down below all just drunk out of their minds. A couple of thousand people. Jerry, Jerry's going to ride the zip line. And Jerry probably urinated on a lot of them going over. And it was rain. It was rain. (laughs) It was rain. I saw that they were going to help Jerry stop. Because the way you do a zip line, if you're, and this is the zip line language, if you're coming in as they say hot, what you do is you spread out like a flying squirrel. And that will slow you. If you're coming in too slow, you go into a cannonball, less wind resistance, If you, because you don't want to end a third of the way from the line, then they have to come out on the line and then pull you in. There's a procedure. So you were going in hot, and they got all the crew because over I there was to stop in the fetal you. position. Exactly, was like a ball. you were a cannonball. I wasn't going to. And let they're go. like, "He is real." I could see him mouthing it. He's coming in too fast. They stopped <laughs> you, and I'm coming normal. And there's like nobody's going to deal with me when I get there. Yeah. So I was ready to, with my feet to crash into the wall. Cause oh, I'm so sorry. I know, I knew you would. <laughs> oh, if like, I would have oh, known, I would have said, oh, get him, get him. <laughs>
Gosh, oh. I do remember that. Oh, it was a blast. I have no... And by the way, when it was over, and this is what I know about you, and I've known this, we went skiing back in the day with our spouses, and you, and it was like the line on Jerry Springer was short on form, but long on guts. He would just go down black diamonds, double black diamonds. He had no business being on. And when that zip line was over, I said, that was a blast, wasn't it? And you said that it was. No, and I you said never I, would have done it if I hadn't like well, duped true. you. If I hadn't I have, duped you, you would never have done it. The truth is, I have no physical courage. You know, That's I do true. things in the moment. I no, you can get me to do something if you if I hear if Jerry Jerry in the background, right. I'll do anything. Yeah, there you go. That, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Because the I ego know is bigger you, than my fear. So, if <laughs> I really thought it was going to be hurtful to you, I'd probably still do of it. Of course, actually. you would do it. No, I probably would. Yeah, yeah what? Uh, you know. So the Cincinnati Marathon Flying Pig, 26 miles last Sunday. My son Mitch, who we had lunch with today, and he's. Uh, head of a radio conglomerate in Cincinnati. So he ran the marathon different from how I suspect you're going to do it next year. He trained and he ran and I was his support guy. So I got him to the start line. So he wouldn't have, it was in the thirties. So he had a light runner's jacket on. He says, can you meet me at mile three, get the jacket? And I says, how I'll meet you at mile three. Then I'm, and I started rattling off all these Cincinnati neighborhoods and I'll be in this neighborhood and that one. And that one is the 26 course mile course goes and i did it with a, a bike a, a cycle cycle right. not motorcycle but a bicycle so i got down there six in the morning before the race started at 6 30 and i saw these guys i realized all bikes are banned on the 26 mile the streets of cincinnati but there were some bikers out there and they all had these green riders windbreakers on i had one in my back of my car like they were wearing Oh, dude, but those just, were the security guys. They were the race officials. Thank you. So you pretended to be a race official. I just official. put the jacket on. I got out there, and the first cop I saw, they had police at every intersection, all different jurisdictions. First cop said, are you leading the race? This was 6 in the morning, and there was a long hesitation. You know liars always hesitate before they answer? Yeah, well, you Because they're know. coming up with an answer? Yeah. And there was a long pause, and I thought, Gene, do you say... Yeah, yeah, I'm, a, I'm leading the race. Well, come on out. We'll help you. get. And I thought, no, don't do that. And I said, no, no, I'm just meet my son down here. This is mile three here. Get him, grab his jacket. Yeah, okay. So I went down the sidewalk. I did that. But then for the rest of the morning, I went out and I rode the course. I never interfered with any runner, but I could go anywhere. I had a one cop I blew by said, you're doing a great job. And I gave him the thumbs up and said, thank you for your service. Yeah, yeah go, yeah. go. Because they thought you were part of one of the officials. I mean, I rode pretty much the whole course on a bike. Yeah. It, was a, well, it was very easy to do on a yeah. bike. It was. Couldn't you get take a bus? I, I think they shut the bus traffic down for the. American. I'll go 26 miles on a bus. No, I won't go on a bus. Hey, seri <laughs> hey excuse me. serious question. Yes. Let's run it. That would be so much fun. I mean, let's do it the right way. Do a little training. Wouldn't it be good for you to, to do some running no. for a year? What do you think? Jerry run the marathon? <laughs> I think you're going to be running a marathon. Well, now that I think about it, we did just get a plot. You got a funeral plot. Yeah, so I could well, do it. Fill it up at least, somehow. At least I've got a place to go now. Would you run with the bowls? <laughs> no. Here's the thing. What do you think? Run with the bowls? <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. If 
First of all, going to Spain. Oh, there's no way Trump would let us back in the country. No, I guess if we left, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he'd see, I'm an immigrant. You're out. I'm not getting in. You may get back. Well, well, there's where the association with you actually hurts. I've I've exploited it for since 1970. I have exploited our friendship. (laughs) Check it out, Jerry. It's really worked well for you, hasn't it? Oh, my God. It's been unbelievable. The life you're living. It's unbelievable. (laughs) And I do no work. Well, actually, you don't know oh, much work you either. Type so, uh, well, I typed that. But yesterday you spoke in Portsmouth, Ohio. Mm. Four counties came together, some folks from four counties, all Democrats, and you gave a talk. So we were able to, I met you in Cincinnati at an airport in your private plane. We flew down there. You gave the talk. Then we flew back. You lied to them about, oh, I've got a busy business schedule. And you really were just going to the Reds-Yankees game. Yeah. In Cincinnati. But actually, basically. remember, I really told them the truth. I said, I I said, I have a confession because yeah. this is Ohio. And I was saying, I got to go back to see the Reds and the Yankees. And they say, you bleed red. That's great. I said, no, I was raised in New York. I love the yeah. Yankees. <laughs> so, we're, so we're one row behind the Yankees dugout, no. sitting in the middle of a bunch of Yankees fans. And yeah, again, and I told you this five times since we did that. That was so much fun. And that's not, I'm, I'm a, I'm an educator by trade. So I have been able, I have ripped off the system. I have beat the man. I did do good or work. I got paid by the way, a decent salary to do that educators work. But then just by getting all the crumbs you drop, I've been flying on private jets. I get game, you know, ball games. In the yeah, how many row. other I teachers were in none. the second row? None. none. Nobody. You never find. They're up in the red seats for those who got A-plots on their court. The people we were cards. bullshitting with down there in the first and second row, eh? none of them were educators. They were, were all <laughs> like rich people who had their stories. But they, they, we were okay with you there for a bit. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what? what? And I want to get to a serious thing here, but there's one other thing. I keep wondering, and I worry about it, when this bubble's going to pop, when you're going to have to come I... back down to earth, and then i got to come back down too. And I was thinking... I'll have to get rid of the plane then. That's the thing, man. I'm picturing you, like the rest of us slugs standing at the airport where oh, they say... That's not going to happen. Zone three, now boarding, and you have to get I, I had a nightmare the other night. Just yeah. about that, about having <laughs> yeah. to go on a commercial flight yeah, and have, and waiting until they said zone three. <laughs> zone three. I, I woke up in a cold sweat. I oh. believe it. What is that like? You'll tell me later on what it's like. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know I mean, the idea that there, there are other we people on the plane with you. We get fist fights at the you? gates when they shut down oh, the flights. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's now what it's we re- do. Now it's becoming a danger zone. Well, yeah. You I mean, can't you let know, They drag us off America. of planes because we won't get off because they won't give us enough money. Yeah. And as ex-educators, we don't even know how to negotiate. Yeah. We can probably get about 10 grand to give up a seat for some pilot that needs to get to Memphis, but we're too stupid to fight for that. So we take five grand. Hey, so Friday you call me. And again, this is typical Jerry Springer. and This is solid stuff. And you call and you say... I'm going to do a commentary because the day before, so that would be Thursday, May 4th, if you're, you'll be hearing this likely on an archive. So May 4th, Congress voted in with Republicans, except for, I don't know, 20, 20 of them or so, voted in a health care bill, Trump care. And you called and you said, I'm going to do a commentary 
and can you help me get it placed in some ads and some newspapers? You did it. You sent it to me. I read it and I said, damn, this is good. This is edgy. This is tough. There's some controversy in it and it's, it's hardcore. 300 words. You nailed it. And let's remind people for years in Cincinnati, you were the anchor on the NBC affiliate and you were employed that at the end of anchoring Objective News, you did a commentary every night and you're a progressive and you never hid that. In this one, I read it, that was a commentary and people love those commentaries. They published them at one time into a book. So we got on the phone and negotiated out getting these ads, not the price, but just getting all the logistic deadlines and blah, 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 and got them into the Cincinnati Inquirer today. So this is now Tuesday, May 9th, full page ad in the Cincinnati Inquirer, half page ad in the Columbus Dispatch. So that's where this starts and who knows where this ends. And we pushed it out on social media and what we call earned media in the communication business. People picked it up. USA Today, Washington Times, uh, CNN was on their crawl this morning, local here in Cincinnati and other places. Lots of people are retweeting because we're getting this out that way too. It's on our website on our front page, jerryspringer.com. And it has generated controversy. Immediately, the Cincinnati Inquirer, look how it works. You spent, I'll just be general, thousands of dollars to put a full-page ad in the Cincinnati Inquirer, a major Gannett paper, and their political reporter, who we know, instantly wrote an article and put it onto their news page. He's their political reporter in which he uh, criticized the angle that you took. People will know because I'm going to ask you to read it in a second. And isn't it interesting? You pay the paper's advertising people thousands of freaking dollars and the news people and you don't disagree with it nor no, do i like bring to. it on man that's yeah. your job you are free objective journalists react and they reacted and all that did for us was to generate more heat which blew it out there further so we're not even bothered by that no. are we no. Oh, no because as jerry says and you're going to hear momentarily the angle, bring it on. Would you read that editorial, please, okay. and we'll yeah. talk about uh, it. Thanks. Um, yeah, this is what I wrote, and this is the full-page ad, which they dealt Facebook with Facebook Live people can take a look at this. Yeah, it's uh, the full-page ad in the Cincinnati Inquirer and, as Gene said, in the Columbus Dispatch. And, uh, well, I'll just hold it up, but I'm going to read it now. Okay. Yeah. So you don't want to get that close to my nose, because... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> people... People, people have gotten hurt. <laughs> yeah. This is a weapon. All right. May 4th will likely not be remembered as much as 9-11. And yet what Congress did last Thursday will end up killing many more Americans than Osama bin Laden ever did. With millions and millions of people facing now the reality of being dropped from insurance plans, unless the Senate defeats this, does anyone seriously believe that only 3,000 of them will die because they couldn't afford a doctor or treatment or medicine or hospital. This cruel and utterly insensitive attack on middle and low-income Americans is an act of war, no less deadly and unconscionable simply because the perpetrators of this legislative violence happen to be wealthy white men who reside in Washington. 
the picture of Republican congressmen gathering on the White House lawn, smiling, laughing, clapping, and cheering what they just did is frankly chillingly disgusting and reminiscent of Marie Antoinette's Let Them Eat Cake. This isn't just politics. It isn't just Republican versus Democrats. It's indecency. You wonder what kind of person is perfectly comfortable with removing protection from fellow Americans who face a cancer diagnosis, heart disease, or any other medical condition or emergency that threatens their life or the life of their family. Never mind that we, the taxpayers, pay the health insurance of every one of these congressmen. I mean, will they be willing to give up their insurance to get a taste of the panic and despair they just visited on millions of others? Good Lord, what did they just do? What moral ethic condones this? What religion suggests this is appropriate? What kind of patriotism preaches love of America, but the hell with protecting Americans? We're better than that, aren't we? To the members of Congress who laughingly voted for this, it's not just about how your constituents can live, it's about how you can live with yourself. Yeah. Thank you. So, among others, the head of the Republican Party in the state of Ohio, one of the major states politically in the country, maybe the most major state, most important, reacted formally. He's quoted in the article that was written in the Cincinnati Inquirer and got picked up by USA Today, and I haven't really checked everything else. If it makes the AP wire, then it kind of pushes out other places. And he attacked your assessment, your comparison of the passage of that bill with 9-11 and its detriment to Americans and bristled at that, and some others have as well. So talk well, about my, yeah. where are you coming from? Well, my answer to that is, first of all, no one is disrespecting what happened on 9-11. It was the worst day in one of the worst days in American history in our lifetime, perhaps so. But the parallel I'm making is with 9-11, 3,000 people killed. But we didn't do it. We were the victims, or those 3,000 people were the victims. The American people didn't do it to those 3,000. It was Osama bin Laden. But removing health insurance from 20 to 24 million people we are the culprits. We are doing it. And not just to 3,000, but to possibly millions. I mean, how is that okay? And why isn't that comparison relevant? Why do we only get upset if Americans die by a plane going into a building? Shouldn't we also be upset? If Americans are dying because we're taking away their health insurance, and by the way, when you set it up they, that they can't possibly afford it, uh, like people with pre-existing conditions now, under this new bill, insurance companies would be allowed to raise the premiums, to hike the premiums on people that have pre-existing conditions. Okay? So basically you're saying these people that have pre-existing conditions, many of them are middle or lower income aren't going to be able to afford it. So you're basically taking it away from them. 
if that winds up a person dying because they can't get the medicine or get the hospital or the doctor or whatever, well, that's an affirmative act that we're taking against American people. And as I said, don't pretend you love America and you don't give a damn about Americans. So it's no answer to say, oh, don't disrespect 9-11. No one's disrespecting it. We're saying don't hide behind that and say that's the only thing that is bad in the world. If we go around as a people and condone, in a sense, either the killing or the dying of people because we're taking away their protection, then we're guilty too. You don't get a free pass. You don't get a free pass to say, well, they died, but at least we didn't fly a plane into the building. Really? Wait till it's your kid. Wait till it's your spouse. Wait till it's you. And so the purpose of this ad, other than to get it off my chest, is I hope in whatever little universe I live in, we can influence people to really apply pressure on their congressmen or congresswomen, whatever it is. And I know people are showing up at their town hall meetings. Don't let it stop. I mean, this has to go all the way to 2018 at least. And all these senators running, everyone running for political office, Democrat or Republican, who dares to take voting for something which, in a sense, not in a sense, practically takes insurance away from 20 million people, should never, ever, ever, ever get your vote. Uh, and, and forget what party they're in. Even if you've been a diehard, let's say, Republican, and they're doing it, then you don't vote for that person. Because your decency, your humanity must come before a political loyalty to a party, Democrat or Republican. This is the single most important issue because it's life and death. And, you know, these people say, well, you're exaggerating. No, you're not exaggerating. There's no exaggerating here. People do get diseases. People do get bad diagnosis. People need treatments. And if they can't afford the treatment because we're not willing to use our budget to provide protection for them, then that's an indecent thing to do. It's, it's, such a, it's, an, it's embarrassing that we have to have this debate. I don't know how some politician asking for your vote stands up there and tries to justify it. Well, it's complicated. Bullshit. Don't tell me it's complicated. It's like Trump saying, I didn't know this office would be difficult. You know, it's just, I always say it. Remember what your mother said in the third grade to you. You know, just do the right thing. Just be a good, decent person. And when you can think about what you're doing, you know, this is not, Spur of the moment, oh, why did I do that? No, this is, I am purposely going to vote for this policy, knowing, no one can say, oh, I didn't know, knowing that this is going to result in people losing their health insurance. It's despicable. Let me add one more thing as to why this is happening, which doesn't get talked about much. There's a strategy behind all this. Do you ever wonder, you know, for seven and a half years, um, 
the Republicans, to be fair, because they were the party out of the White House, they kept ragging on Obamacare. And they, that was their thing. By God, elect a Republican president, we'll do away with Obamacare. With all of its problems, we'll do away with repeal and replace. And then, of course, when they actually got into power, they didn't have anything to replace it. Because seven and a half years, they never thought that they would actually have to come up with a plan. And the reason they didn't come up with a plan, number one, is other than fixing Obamacare and making it better, there is no replacement to spending the money. You can have the money for health care either by making sure every American pays into the system by having to have health insurance, that's the mandatory system, and you know subsidizing those that can't afford it, or you raise taxes and make sure there's enough money to pay the subsidies. That's the only way all of this happens. So the Republicans, they never were thinking, what this is not on their radar screen. Health insurance throughout their history has never been their issue. It never has. That's not the reason they run for office. What is their issue? Their issue, they pray upon the altar of no new taxes. That is their God. That is the Republican, whether it's the Torah or the Bible or the Quran, whatever it is, their major policy is we have to reduce taxes, particularly of wealthy people. So, recognizing that, look at the strategy now. You ever wonder why, since health insurance isn't their big issue, why they picked that one first and not reform the taxes? Which, you know, you saw that one-page thing that Trump put out, this is our new tax plan. The reason they picked health first is because the Senate rules are such that you cannot, you cannot by majority vote in the Senate, you can filibuster your way out of it, but you cannot by majority vote in the Senate alter the budget for a 10-year period unless it is revenue neutral. In other words, you can't do a major tax cut unless it is equalized by a cut in expenditures. So Trump's tax plan briefly was cut corporate taxes from 35% to 15%, let wealthy people be able to take their personal income and put it through an LLC so that the personal income of a wealthy person can be taxed not at the 39%, which you would at that level, but at 15%. Do away with the estate tax, which only affects people that have an estate more than $11 million. Uh, eliminate the alternative minimum tax, which makes sure that even rich people have to pay taxes. Remember when Trump gave his tax, we found the tax return from 2005? If you did away with the alternative minimum tax, if you did away with it, it would mean that Trump in that year would have had to pay $33 million less than he had to pay now because we have the alternative tax. In other words, everything was to help, frankly, people like me. I mean, he's a windfall. That's what that tax plan would do. It's a, it's a gift to the very wealthy. The problem is, the gift to the very wealthy creates a much larger deficit because if money isn't going into the budget, 
into their uh, you know federal coffers that means you've got to cut expenditures otherwise it won't be legal the senate can't pass it so that is why they had to do away with obamacare first because the amount of money that obamacare put into paying for subsidies and paying for medicaid was a large amount but if you eliminate that expenditure suddenly you can give rich people their tax break and it won't bust the budget. They're taking in less money now, but they're also paying less out. That is why they're dealing with the health insurance issue first. Eliminate that expenditure. Now we don't have to take so much money in. And if we don't have so much to take so much money in, we can afford the tax cuts for the wealthy. That is the strategy behind this despicable piece of legislation that they want to pass on health care. That's what we're dealing with. I'm going to call up Calumet, our band for tonight, and these guys are really good. And as they're coming up to set up, there's a number of them. I want to ask you one other thing about this. I'm going to call somebody out, a congressman. And you could walk from where we sit right now to this congressman's district. Be a good walk. Actually, yeah. I don't think you could. No, I you wouldn't. Well, you could, but I'll you take, would refuse. No, I'll take the Ludlow bus. Yeah, yeah, right. And his name is, I'm going to emphasize the doctor. Doc, it's in Ohio, 2nd District. Dr. Brad Wenstrup, Republican, conservative Republican. That guy, a doctor voted to do this with other Republicans. That is outrageous. Yep. And he is somebody, I say, simply because, largely because he's a doctor, he should be especially singled out in this region. How dare he do that? And he's playing some, I don't want to, I, I was going to say playing a game. It's not a game. He's referencing a family member who has had illnesses. I don't know the specifics. Yeah. And of course, I respect that. We've all been through that. But some of these Republicans are hiding behind. It's almost like a talking point. Republican Party says, find some person in your family who's uh, medically vulnerable and say, well, I would never do anything to harm anybody because of my own family. And these guys are, and women are also, they will not go on Trump care. They will not go on Trump care. They'll hide behind their posh well, republic or uh, government. They have money and they can. Health care right. system. And we're paying for their insurance as well. Yeah. yeah, so it's you're right. Um, it's it's inexcusable. It's no one, no one is suggesting that under this new plan there will be total coverage. You know, ultimately, I think what the Republicans may have done is they're pushing more and more of our country into an acceptance of a single payer system. Couldn't agree more That's with the that, good sure. news. I think when people now are getting so upset with what these politicians are doing, maybe we'll finally do what the rest of the civilized world is doing, and that is, as an American citizen, you ought to have a right to medical care. And isn't it interesting that, it, I, I completely agree with that analysis, that the Republicans will drive America to a single-payer system, not Democrats. Remember, few years back, maybe even less than that, uh, public opinion polls showed opposition to Obamacare. They were actually for the Affordable Care Act, but against Obamacare. Well, they're one and the same. 
because they would just trash talk Barack Obama. Now they're clear about opposing Trump care in America. We, that yeah. is not a popular bill that yeah. was passed. And they are increasingly inching towards, I believe you're right, an acceptance of single-payer system. Calumet. Let's hear it for Calumet. Whoa! And we're going to ask these guys, and we'll talk on the other side and, and you know, introduce the band, etc. Their first song is called Straight to the Bottom. Great title for a song. Let's hear it, guys. Straight to the bottom field. 
the bottle for you Straight to the bottom Bravo! Calumet, you guys are good. Look how far we've come. Springer and I are a couple of old folkies. We remember when Bob Dylan came to the Newport Folk Festival, did the first half of his set uh, acoustic, then the second half wired up all these instruments, and Pete Seeger was freaking out, and everybody. And you guys are doing root, that's roots music for sure. Well, thank you. And thank you. we got three electric uh, instruments and a drummer. It's very great sound, great harmonies. Yeah, we remember when they didn't have electricity. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and so we've got... Oh! Uh, oh. Can you come okay, every... Okay, yeah, can you yeah. be here every week? <laughs> yeah, we need... No, them. because I, it's really <laughs> weird you say that because there was this older gentleman back there. Oh, here we go. What happened? Was well, the guy with guy the hearing there? aid. Really? I, uh, you guys hadn't heard this. He, he comes up... No, he comes in every week, and he came up last week, and he said, Jerry, I've got this new hearing aid. It's the finest hearing aid money can buy. And I said, yeah, what kind is it? He said, four o'clock. <laughs> we need that. That really helps. Because that joke's lame ass, so that, that rim shot, that's, a, that's the funniest part of the joke. Okay, so we got Stephen, Aaron, Paul, Jacob. Do I have that right? I can read. <laughs> and, uh, ex-teacher. Um, you got a second song. We want to hear it, and it's called, and I want to talk about, right before you do it, Barn Burner, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, you guys have, and I want to make sure that people know this, they can hear your music at Calumet, spelled C-A-L-U-M-E-T, calumetmusic.com. Latest album is Modern Myths, and... Uh, so that's how they can find you on the website. Would that's be the easiest right. And way. Uh, if anyone's local, we're playing at Motor Pub this Thursday. Perfect. Okay, uh, which I, is where in in. Uh, well, so they uh, they won't hear that, but uh, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll be playing at Motor well, Pub we in got, downtown Cincinnati. Downtown Cincinnati. Yeah. By the way, we've got people listening on our live stream as well so, as yeah. watching on Facebook Live. Sure, sure. So some of our people will catch that, and otherwise, uh, archive listeners need to check you guys out. Uh, do barn just, burner for us, yeah, Jeff. Just one quick question. And this isn't a joke. Does Calumet have any, uh, is it like a religious or literary it's, term? It's, it's, actually, it's actually a sort of forgotten American word. It was something that yeah, the, what did, the... I know it has some significance. Yeah, sure. The, uh, the, the, basically, the, uh, when the first French settlers came here and yeah. they started to move up the Louisiana Purchase, what would become yeah. the Louisiana Purchase, they entered what's now known as the Calumet region in uh, Illinois. And they saw this, in, in Norman French, Calumet means reed-like. So they were these... Uh, explorers trying to describe an item that they had they had no real word for, and it's uh, so it's not a Native American word, but uh, it's something that almost every city, major city in the U.S. has a Calumet Street. There are 16 Calumet wow. cities that the U.S. Because I know in New Orleans, there's even a, a parish I think Calumet, but mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah. well, it would make sense because the reeds on the in the Gulf there or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, so why it's, did it's you in guys? The Delta. And, and are you like literary? Are you. Uh, 
<laughs> I have yeah. interest. Uh, yeah, okay. But no, for me it was uh, that, like you said, we're doing we're doing roots music. I wanted yeah. to pull on some of the be- foundations of American rock music, and so yep. I wanted an old American word. It's great. And yeah. it's, it's actually one find. of the oldest American words. Something that distinctly doesn't exist in any other language. It's not in you know British English. It's something right. Very here. cool. I didn't yeah. know if you were an English teacher, let's say, or whatever. <laughs> not quite that smart. All right, that's uh, <laughs> pretty good. Okay, do barn burner, guys. Uh, this is Calumet.
Wow. Great, great, great. That's Calumet. That's outstanding. Take us out, if you would, on down by the riverside. We are right down by the Ohio Riverside. Jerry Springer will sing the second verse if you'll let him. This will make your day. And we got Calumet doing down by the riverside. Casey Campbell, our music coordinator. We always oh, yeah. get hey, Casey. Casey a big hand. He just stepped into the drummer position. Yes. And backup singer, too. Here we go. Lay down my heavy load Down by the riverside Down by the riverside Down by the riverside I'm gonna lay down my heavy load Down by the riverside Listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Foolery, recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song, and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com.